News, weather, traffic, money, politics, big interviews, and bold opinions. It's what's happening right now. This is Mornings with Simi. We all know it's tough to be an airport worker right now, but I was thinking how hard it's been this entire past year to be a trucker in this province. Think about all the things they've had to deal with, you know, the flooding situation. And now you're talking about a snow situation, icy cold temperatures. We thought, let's check in on that. Dave Earl is joining us now, President and CEO of the BC Trucking Association. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. Oh, it does it seem like you need one more thing on your plate? Yeah, right. Uh, it's, <laughs> and it really is just one more thing. But uh, at least we know how to deal with adverse weather. And how are trucks dealing with it? Because we still hear that, you know, yesterday I know a lot of trucks spun out and dealing with that. I mean, how are trucks dealing with this weather? You know, it's something that we face every year and it can be very difficult, particularly when it comes down like it has uh, in, the, in the past, you know, 48 hours or so. Uh, when we see snowfall accumulations above about four or five centimeters an hour, that's when road maintenance uh, crews, no matter what equipment they have, uh, have a really hard time keeping up because it's coming down so heavily. Um, you know, but we did see uh, a lot of progress yesterday where we saw a lot of roads uh, being cleared and uh, you know, we're hoping for, uh, again, a, a safe uh, day today. And are there some particular parts of the province that are problematic? I was seeing that the wind chill up in the northern parts of our province right now, it's incredibly cold, like minus 30. Yeah, that's incredibly difficult to work in and very hard on equipment, Simi. And it also presents problems when equipment does break down. Uh, That's when you're all of a sudden into a safety issue. Um, You know, making sure that uh, companies know where drivers are, they know uh, how to get help if they need it in areas that are isolated without cell phone service uh, in case vehicles do shut down. Um, you know, we do see precautions being taken uh, and, you know, everybody just drives just that little bit slower uh, simply because we have to. Uh, on the lower mainland, of course, Kokahala, it's, uh, it's snow. Okay. And so how do truckers then prepare for this kind of weather? What, what kind of toll does that take on the equipment? Well, really what you do you have to make sure is your equipment is in proper working order. Make sure it's maintained. Make sure that all your electrical systems, cooling and heating systems are working uh, and that you're really set to go. It's also important to be prepared for an emergency and have proper equipment in your cab. Um, so having heavy winter clothing, boots, blankets, that type of stuff to make sure that if you are stuck for a while, it's there. Most trucks are very well equipped and most drivers are, are too. So if they are stranded, um, they're fine uh, to be there for a while. But uh, it's just making sure that you do your mental checklist and, uh, and a physical one if need be to make sure you have what you need. Are truckers still on the road then? Are goods being able to get moved around? Every day, every day, all day, all night. Uh, these are, ve- are, are vehicles and more importantly, these are people that run them. Uh, that work long hours and uh, and difficult conditions to get what you and I need uh, to where we need it. All right. Well, Dave, thank you so much for that update today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. This is Mornings with Simi. We are still in the midst of very, very cold conditions weather-wise that are going to persist for the next well, day or two at least. The wind chill is making it even worse. Wind chill near minus 19. That's for us today. That is what people are going to be feeling. So imagine having no place to go, though, not having a home. There are quite a few people on our streets still in this weather, and finding a place for them to go is not easy. We had a chance to check in with Nicole Mucci from the Union Gospel Mission to talk about how they have been tackling this issue. 
Well, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us this morning. How are things going at the Union Gospel Mission? How full are your facilities right now? We are more than full. We uh, we were a bit over capacity again last night and did our best not to turn people away just because it's extremely dangerous out there right now for folks who are experiencing homelessness. So how do you deal with this situation then? Well, there's a few steps that we take. Our first is obviously we get in as many people as we safely can into our shelter. Um, and then we do our very best to find uh, folks space either at a warming center nearby or one of the emergency weather activated shelters maybe that's been opened up and in the very worst case scenario if someone doesn't feel comfortable going to another shelter we and there is no more space we try to make sure that they are essentially equipped with the gear needed to survive but that is the absolute worst case scenario and when we're looking at temperatures of wind chill up to minus 18 like it was last night we're going to do our absolute most to keep people indoors. Now, we've also heard about, you know, firefighters trying to help out and get people, you know, out of the cold. And some people saying that, no, they feel safer out on the streets. Like, have you had that experience, too? Is it hard to convince some people to come inside? Well, what we have to remember when we're thinking about uh, folks who are experiencing homelessness is what we have to remember when we think about any person. Each of us is unique and we have our own stories. And so some folks really truly don't feel safe inside shelters for various reasons. Maybe they've had a bad experience before. Maybe they have pets that they wouldn't be able to bring with them and they're very worried about their pets' well-being. Maybe they are, you know, in maybe they're a couple and there is no couple spaces. There's a variety of reasons why someone might turn down a shelter space. But in that time, we also have to consider the imminent danger that someone might be in if they are choosing to stay outside and figure out ways to mitigate that danger. Right. So how do you how do you do that? What do you think would help at this point? Well, one of the things that we know is that winter weather is just so incredibly dangerous, right? Like this, this level of winter weather is so dangerous. And so making sure that folks either find somewhere that they do feel safe or that they are being provided with the absolute necessaries for survival and safety. However, um, like I said, it can be very, very dangerous when, when it's as cold as it is right now, especially if folks are trying to stay warm in their tents or stay warm by lighting fires. Um, and so we really want to try to ensure that people know what their options are and encourage them to choose safety. And, and how can we help out, though? Is there something that we can do to help the Union Gospel Mission? Yeah, absolutely. So right now, not only is it important for folks to seek shelter at night, but it's also important for them to access warm space during the day and to come in for a warm and hot meals. So if folks wanted to help the organization in the way that we serve our community members, they could go to ugm.ca slash cold. And they could uh, help there either through donation or we have a list of our most needed survival gear. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning, Nicole. Of course. Thank you so much. Have a good day. It's Nicole Mucci, the manager of media relations and communications at the Union Gospel Mission, doing their part to try to help people out. But it is tough going and incredibly cold temperatures over the next couple of days means that there are a lot of people, uh, as we heard as well in a story earlier, a lot of people on the streets trying to help those who are on the street Get off, find some warm shelter, even just for a little while. This is Mornings with Simi. Good morning, Simi. Uh, two things about the flashing eye beams. 
I am of the age that I remember that, and I have done the same. Even, you know, rearview mirror, hopefully they saw my, my high beams because they didn't have their lights on. The other thing is, thank you so much for having the head of the Trucking Association on. Um, a big shout out to all those truck drivers that keep things coming so, you know, we can have the comforts in our home. Merry Christmas. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for your call. You're absolutely right. Big shout out for the truck drivers, right? They are out there on the roads transporting those goods, getting things to the stores, which, of course, this is the season that people are looking for things in the stores, too, aren't they? So this week would be the week where a lot of last minute gift shoppers are heading to those malls to try to find something for people. We thought, well, find out how the weather is impacting that. So joining us now is Greg Wilson, Director of Government Relations in BC for the Retail Council of Canada. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Simi. How is the weather impacting Christmas shopping? Because I feel like this is a very critical week for retailers. It is a critical week for retailers, but, you know, a lot of Christmas shopping is done in advance now. Um, so, you know, there, this is the last minute pinch. Um, and, you know, that yesterday's and there will have been an impact, but it's sort of a two-sided impact because some people won't go out and uh, and do their shopping, but others will go out and get essential goods. So it's a bit of both. And how has the season been looking up until now for retailers, would you say? You know, in BC, it's been an okay season. It's been a bit um, up and down. Um, comparisons, though, with the rest of the country are kind of hard because last year, B.C. had a very strong Christmas season while the rest of the country was still having significant COVID impacts. So, you know, ours is probably a bit up, a bit down, but not uh, not vastly different from last year. Right. So that's is that a good thing then? Are we, were retailers hoping for more? Look, I think every retailer always hopes for more. Um, It has been a good holiday season, but just not a great holiday season. And I think that's reflective of consumers' um, tension about the upcoming economy, about costs, about, uh, you know, other things that impact their wallet. Right. Okay. So then, um, you know, hoping that people, I guess, still can get out there and, and do their shopping this year. Are they are they buying the things that they would normally buy? Like uh, for when it comes to Christmas shopping, how great were retailers at predicting that this year? Because I know that's always a bit of a gamble, right? Yeah. Well, I think that one thing that's very clear is that it's a better year than we might have thought for food and uh, and beverages. This is partly because I think you're seeing a return to sort of, more, sort of more traditional holiday entertaining. And so those segments appear to be fairly strong. Um, others, you know, the things that are not as strong are sort of more expensive, durable goods, for example. Hmm, interesting. Do you monitor online retail as well? Um, so staff can does work on e-commerce. Um, but e-commerce is, of course, naturally a bit down over a couple of years ago. That's because there was this big burst during the pandemic. Yes. But it does seem to have settled at a much higher level, and it appears to be beginning to rise again. I wonder if that would then, people are concerned about that, because, yeah, it's great to order online and not head to a busy store, but what about with what's going on right now? Can you exp- would, yeah, exactly. It would be difficult at this point, yeah. But, you know... Um, 
a small merchant pointed out to me yesterday that there's this tendency when people don't can't travel too far for small neighborhood stores to see a bit more foot traffic. So that's probably a good outcome. Yeah, I guess, so, Greg, you just sound eternally optimistic on the subject of retail. Yeah, well, um, I think most retailers are very optimistic. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, this has been a, a better year here than in other parts of the country. And I think we're thankful for that. We are obviously worried about the headwinds, you know, that are upcoming, the economic headwinds. But, uh, you know, in the end, um, our business is about selling goods to consumers. It's so interesting that you say this has been a better year than expected because, you know, with those inflation rates and the prices of goods increasing, you're saying people didn't necessarily stop buying things. No, and I mean, there's a couple of things going on here. One is there is a certain amount of necessities that people have to buy. And certainly within grocery, there is a tendency for the discount retailers to do a bit better, for example, this year. So you do see... You know, you do see evidence of consumers being careful, but, you know, in the main, um, you know, I think there's been a year-long expectation that this would be a difficult year, and I think there's still a worry that next year will be a difficult year, but it has been a bit better than than the naysayers have said. All right, well, that's at least some good news there. Greg, thank you so much for your time. Good. Okay. This is Mornings with Simi. Pilot told us that the waiting is half hour. Okay. The half hour goes to two hours. The two hours goes to four, six, eight, nine. Nine hours we're at the plane, sitting and waiting to open. Everybody's worst nightmare, right? Those people spent nine hours on a plane, on the tarmac, waiting to just get off for some kind of news. There were so many people in that same predicament in the last 24 hours. And you know what? Things aren't a whole lot better at YVR this morning. Very few flights are leaving. Very few flights are arriving. And what kind of you know repercussions are going to happen as a result of this? And as a passenger, what rights do you have here? So many people are frustrated right now. Uh, you know, WestJet, Air Canada, hundreds upon hundreds of flights have been canceled. People saying they're not even getting any information from the airline, whether it's the app, emails, whatever, phone, even forget about it. We're talking now with Gabor Lukas, who's the founder of airpassengerrights.ca. Gabor, thank you so much for being back with us. Good morning. This is a nightmare scenario, Gabor, for so many people. Have the airlines failed here? Absolutely. We all understand that weather is something outside airlines control, and there's really not much airlines can do about the weather itself. But how they respond or react to the situation created by the weather is an entirely different matter. First of all, if you expect as an airline to have difficulties at an airport disembarking passengers, you don't land at that airport. You don't even take off with flights directed to that airport because it's going to foreseeably create problems. If necessary, you divert aircraft to different airports where at least passengers can disembark. Under the law, when a flight lands, the airline has to let passengers to disembark within three hours. If it is a flight which is departing, then they also have to let passengers disembark after three hours or three hours and 45 minutes if departure is imminent. That was not respected either. What I heard was that some flights left the gate 
with passengers on board, even though it was foreseeable that they would not be able to take off, and more importantly, it was foreseeable that they would be facing a significant difficulty disembarking if they cannot take off. Right, and so leaving people kind of trapped. Now, for people who had that happen to them, what is owed to them, Gabor? Is there any law, any rule that says you deserve compensation or you deserved something different? The rights of those passengers have clearly been breached, and I would argue that when we are talking about you know, 10, 12 hours, that would even cross the line possibly into forcible confinement under the criminal code. Um, but there is no law which fixes a specific dollar amount that the airline has to pay in the event that uh, you are confined to an aircraft for many hours. What the passengers can do is sue for damages. Uh, they can also um, sue for uh, punitive damages, possibly, if it was really something extraordinary, uh, wrong behavior or aggravated damages in some cases. Um, but ultimately, the question is, why is this happening? Under the laws, the uh, federal regulator, the Canadian Transportation Agency, should have been enforcing these rules. They should be issuing hefty fines to airlines that break the rules. And they should be the ones that uh, ensure this behavior doesn't happen to begin with. Right. Airlines feel that they can get away with this type of behavior because the government, the federal regulator, is giving them this kind of wink-wink, nudge-nudge kind of sense of safety that it's okay, we may slap you in the race, but we will not really do anything uh, massive, serious. You will not be facing multi-million dollar fines, even though, to be clear, it would be possible under the law. So under the law, when an airline breaks provisions of the uh, air passenger protection regulation, and we are talking here about tarmac delay related provisions, then that is currently punishable up to $25,000 monetary penalty per passenger per violation. So if there are you know, 300 passengers uh, on the plane, then the airline could be facing 300 times $25,000. Right. Could be, but, but that's they not don't. happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where the problem lies. That's why Canadians have every right to be upset and to demand meaningful enforcement uh, by the Canadian Transportation Agency. And that would include very significant fines that will affect uh, airlines' bottom line. Right. So is it just airlines, though, here, Gabor? Is it not also airports? I don't see any evidence, based on what I've heard so far, that the Vancouver airport would be at fault in any way. It is very unfortunate airlines do try to shift the blame, but what could the airport do? It is the airline that decides to land a plane uh, because the airport is technically not closed yet. The, the, the weather situation is not as bad to shut down the, the airport. ATC, air traffic control, will still give landing clearance. But it is the airline that then needs to deal with the passengers and somehow deal with letting them disembark, whether it is a, a bridge or just bring stairs. That's something the airlines have a responsibility for. Wait, but wasn't that something the airport takes care of, though? Like, is it not the airport that makes sure that the gate, the, the, the passengers can disembark? The gates are controlled largely by the airlines. They, I mean, in many airports, the airlines have their own gates, actually. Uh, the airport is renting out some of that space to the airlines. Uh, but I don't see how, you know, in a situation, what I've been hearing is that there were no free gates available. That is because other airplanes were there. That is because there was no proper planning 
to move planes if necessary on the one hand and to bring stairs and request stairs if necessary when those passengers are stranded in, in the aircraft. Right. We have to bear in mind that, that someone could be having a heart attack on those planes. People were without proper food and without proper uh, even fluids for many, many hours on those uh, flights. So I have some difficulty to phantom that it would not be possible to bring some kind of vehicle there, um, even in the midst of a snowstorm. It's not ideal. It may require extra work. It may require significant extra cost. But the question is not how much it costs. The question is, is it possible at all? Is there any way to make it happen? And surely, if there's one or two planes that need vehicles, need stairs to get there, it is doable. Okay, so are there any countries that deal with this better? Like, what happens in the United States? The United States uh, does have also some strict uh, tarmac delay rules, and, and some fines have been issued to airlines that kept passengers on the tarmac for too long. But uh, let's also be fair that, that this type of weather is more difficult to Canada to have major snowstorms. Uh, and generally, uh, this type of egregious tarmac delays is not something we see happen, for example, in Europe. The case where I recall happened in, I think it was Italy or France, I forget which of the two, uh, back in 2019. It was a Canadian flight. I believe it was an air transit flight. I'm, I'm not sure. But it was a Canadian flight that was there on the tarmac for a long time. Um, so it seems to be just that uh, perhaps we Canadians more accepting the fact that, oh, well, there's nothing that could be done. Therefore, we are stuck here on the tarmac. Well, that's wrong. You have no obligation to stay in an aircraft that is not moving, that, that is not serving any purpose. The airline has no right to confine to that aircraft. And they're also not communicating. That's what I find so bizarre is that people with flights aren't, re- aren't even receiving emails saying there's a delay. They're not receiving anything. That is certainly a problem, and that is a breach of Section 13 of the Air Passenger Protection Regulations because the airline is required to communicate. They are required to provide information so uh, if that's not happening, again, that's something for which hefty fines should be issued. We can, you know, all this can be explained away w- w- with the weather, but not sending emails. Did, did, did somehow your, uh, did it snow cover up your, your email servers? I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, that, that's qu- quite clearly, it quite clearly shows the airline's disregard to passengers' rights, the airline's disregard to proper planning. This type of situations do happen, and and fortunately, we do have quite good mechanisms to predict uh, the weather compared to what we had, say, 50 years ago. So um, the airlines should have known that this kind of weather is coming, and they just let the chips fall wherever they fell. That is so true. Gabor, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me.